From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. What a crazy time to be alive. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email, charlierobinson at tntradio.live. You can go to my new website, macroaggressions.io, and find out all you need to know about the books I've written, the podcasts that I host, and if you want to connect with me, you can do so over there as well. But let's start off with some headlines, shall we, for Friday, January 5th. 2024. Picking up where we left off yesterday, Sanctuary City, New York sues Texas charter bus companies for $700 million over migrant drop-offs. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to need the $700 million, New York City, because Mayor Eric Adams announced recently that it's going to cost $12 billion over the next three years to deal with the illegal immigrant situation that is happening just in New York City with a billion dollars over the next three years for hotel rooms alone. Uh, Listen, you you guys, you want to take this... Take this lawsuit and all your problems up with the Biden administration and, of course, their friends over at the trilaterals. They're the ones calling the shots on this, not Texas. Gateway Pundit reports, new book claims members of Joe Biden's team see Vice President Kamala Harris as a joke and shut her out of meetings. And what? Miss out on her explanations of time, space, and yellow electric school buses? Are you kidding me? She's worthless. The The best you can do is get her in those meetings and, and listen to her say something crazy. Now you're missing out on the good stuff. Also, Megyn Kelly says, you may hear from Jeffrey Epstein in the coming year directly. She goes on to tease, more on that as I'm allowed to tell you. Hmm, is he alive? Is this this is this is Megyn Kelly is Megyn Kelly going to break the story on Jeffrey Epstein actually being alive and living in Israel or Argentina with Adolf Hitler or wherever? I listen. I saw the drone footage. I saw the drone footage above uh, Epstein's island uh, after uh, he had died and someone looking a little bit like him. I don't know. I'll keep it on the on the radar. It's a possibility. Let's call it a possibility. And finally. It's disgusting what they're doing. Tucker Carlson describes visit with Julian Assange. This is true. Tucker Carlson described Assange as, quote, one of the greatest journalists of our age who spent his adult life bringing previously concealed facts to the public about what our leaders are doing. Yeah, this is a really important one. As we get into February, we're going to see the last uh, opportunity for Julian Assange to um, prevent his extradition to the United States. If he is extradited to the United States, they might as well just blow his plane up on the way over because they will kill him at some point. That's what they do. When you release the collateral murder video and you paint the entire Iraqi war as being something other than what it was supposed to be, as he did, you're going to make very powerful enemies. We had Mike Pompeo on camera saying that he wanted to kidnap and assassinate Julian Assange. Mike Pompeo said it, presumably not on drugs, said it in front of a camera. 
So this is the level of thinking that you've got inside the American administration. It's not going to ease up anytime soon between collateral murder videos, Seth Rich uh, laptop discovery and all the information that he sent over, the Bradley Chelsea Manning situation. And, um, you know, the American empire has a long, long memory. And they will go to extraordinary lengths to make you pay the price if you out them, uh, even including faking sexual assault allegations against you in conjunction with the with the government of Sweden. We saw that happen. Of course, all of this stuff is nonsense. This is what you do when you are desperately trying to silence a person that is exposing your grift. That's what Julian Assange has done. I had the pleasure of mentioning this before. I had the pleasure I wish it were under different circumstances, of course, of meeting the family of, of Julian Assange in Denver with Steve Poikinen, who made that happen. We sat down in the Denver, Denver Press Club for 15 minutes, the four of us, and talked uh, with his father and his brother about the situation that they are facing. They were surprisingly optimistic about the role of the Australian government in this, which I found to be um, a high point. But you could see it on their faces. They were exhausted. This was two years ago. I mean, it's probably not any better now. And um, I, I hope we keep our fingers crossed the end of February and, and see Assange released or something else happen to him. Because if he is to go away, then it's the end of press freedom in the United States of America. At TNT, we never go home. We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. It's vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Elon Musk's SpaceX has responded to accusations from the National Labor Relations Board that the company illegally fired workers by opting to sue the federal agency, alleging it needs to be dramatically reworked because its structural its structure is, in fact, unconstitutional. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Oh, we've got um, we've got uh, Elon Musk throwing some punches. You know, listen, I'm not a huge fan of fighting in the court systems because I know how rigged the courts are. But it is nice to see a guy who's got a couple hundred billion dollars throwing that money away in, in, in a, throwing it around in a way that actually benefits the people. So to see him sue the government, I like it on the one hand. But, of course, we know this is the same government that gives out uh, uh, SpaceX contact contracts to to his companies, too, right? So you got to be very careful with how you deal with this. What are we to make of Elon Musk's new lawsuit here? Well, make of it what you what you will, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It, it, to be clear, it's not like he's just running around trying to save the world like some superheroes, like looking into all these different agencies in America and saying, I'm going to sue these people because they're unconstitutional. No, this is a direct response. Uh, I hope I'm, I'm guessing with the intention uh, that this lawsuit is going to try to block the NLRB's complaint against SpaceX. Right. So this is his. His way of responding, uh, he's like, well, you know what? Screw you, buddy. I'm going to sue you kind of a thing. So it is interesting there. 
excuse me, but um, if everything is above board, uh, no pun intended, with the National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB, the idea is that supposedly they have judges hear cases that it brings against companies as part of its mission to protect the rights of workers at private companies. Uh, and of course, there is a complaint that has been lodged against SpaceX in December of last year uh, that's being sent to one of the judges for adjudication. However, according to SpaceX, uh, in this new lawsuit, they say that these administrative law judges function unconstitutionally. So we might have a problem here. The U.S. Constitution requires the president to have, quote unquote, sufficient control is what it's called over the judges. And an appeals court concluded in 2022 that administrative law judges, ALJs, in the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, are unconstitutionally shielded from presidential oversight. And according to SpaceX in their lawsuit, which was filed yesterday, January 4th, quote, the same reasoning applies to the ALJs of the NLRB, including the ALJ assigned to preside over the pending NLRB proceedings against SpaceX, end quote. The company is asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas to rule that the current makeup of the NLRB is unconstitutional. The company wrote, quote, to prevent SpaceX from undergoing protracted administrative proceedings before an unconstitutionally structured agency, after which SpaceX is unlikely to have a chance to secure meaningful retrospective relief, the court should stay or enjoin the current agency proceedings, declare that the NLRB's structure violates the separation of powers under Article 2 of the Constitution and permanently enjoin the L NLRB and its general counsel from pursuing unfair labor practice charges against SpaceX before agency officials that are unconstitutionally insulated from presidential oversight, end quote. I think they make a good point here. SpaceX also said that the NLRB's five-member board is improperly structured, calling it, quote, the very definition of tyranny, end quote. U.S. District Judge Rolando Alvera, I'm sorry, an appointee of former President Barack Obama was assigned to the case. According to an NLRB spokeswoman, quote, we don't have any comment on the lawsuit, end quote. At least that was what they told the Epoch Times. I think they said the same thing to ABC News and Yahoo. They don't want to comment. <laughs> Um, what this has to do with Charlie is I guess that there was a um, what the NLRB is accusing SpaceX of doing is illegally firing. I believe it was eight employees after they wrote an open letter back in June of 2022 that was less than flattering of Elon Musk and made him look bad. So they were accusing the company owned by Elon Musk of firing them as part of retaliation. So that's what this is all stemming from. But what an interesting way to hit back by accusing the, the agency itself of being unconstitutional. What do you think? I think his next law sh lawsuit should be to f sue the federal government to ban acronyms and make these people have to say every single word corresponding to the letter that they have. Because if there's one thing I know about the American government, they love acronyms. And every time I go on a rant about these people, I've got to say the whole thing. Central Intelligence Agency, Federal Bureau of Investigation, all of the acronym agencies make me insane. And of course, you just word saladed through that entire thing, reading this uh, about 
you know, their definitions of what is and isn't a government agency. Look, you should be allowed to fire people for whatever reason you want to. If they're if you're the one that hired them and you're Elon Musk and they put out a bit and they come together in a group and say, we hate our boss. Well, you know what? If I went and, and made a declaration that I hate my boss too, would should I act surprised if I got fired? No, probably not. But it's such a litigious society that we live in, especially here in America. And you see that everybody believes that they're entitled little snowflakes that are due uh, un preposterous amounts of protection from the federal government. I like it. I I, I, I'm, uh, I am of mixed opinion on Elon Musk. There's some things about him. He's trying to put brain chips in. That's an automatic disqualifier. But I do like that he goes after some of the uh, government insanity here. But of course, like I said from the beginning, how much of this is theater? Because the same government that you're fighting is the same government responsible for doling out the massive contracts that SpaceX gets, that Elon Musk gets in general with Tesla and Starlink and Neuralink and Boring Company and all of the things that he's been a part of, SolarCity. You, 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 every, almost every one of his companies is government fed. So is this theater? Is this uh, is this kabuki theater ruckus? I mean, because you can only push so hard before the government finally says, you know, we're done dealing with this guy. Every time we work with him, he winds up suing us. So maybe we should move on to, oh, I don't know, somebody that's a little bit more controllable, like Richard Branson or something. I don't know. Yeah, it smacks of that appearance, at least, of biting the hand that feeds you, right? Isn't that the expression? Right. But it's also vice versa. I mean, the, the U.S. government, the military-industrial complex, they love Elon Musk as much as Elon Musk loves them. So it is all a bunch of world uh, – well, I don't even know what you call the wrestling now. Is it WWE, I guess? I don't yes. know. Used to be called the WWF, if I'm not mistaken, when I was a kid. But yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's all fake. They're all friends at the end of the day. They all they have like a a, a relationship with with one another. It's like a, a symbiotic relationship. Um, except in this case, they're both viruses. They're both bacteria. They're both scum of the earth sucking off of each other. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, and here's the other, the good thing about this, Charlie, is somebody like Elon Musk, because the world adores him and younger people do, it does bring attention to the way that the government works and all of its corruptions and the greasy wheels and all that stuff. So that's always good because maybe that's the way we can start to see some change happen in this world. Yeah, a mutually parasitic relationship. That's how I would define Elon Musk on just about everything that he does with regard to the government. It's uh, it's so intertwined that it's hard to unravel it. He's the brain aneurysm that you cannot unwind. He's so in intertwined within that deep state that um, love him or hate him. He's not going away anytime soon, and especially as he crosses that threshold into the, the $200 billion club. Oh, my goodness. A couple more hundred billion, and you'll be where the Rothschilds are, maybe, maybe, maybe a little less. I don't know. We'll see. Thanks, Ruckus. Catch you, uh, catch you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too, Charlie. Take care.
Well, uh, the second part of the show, we will have the great Don Jeffries, author Don Jeffries, coming back on. And right after this break, we'll be back with Lynn Shaw. This is TNT. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm just going to do a little voice I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. We are back. Our first guest is the founder of Lynn's Warriors. You can go to her website, lynnswarriors.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Lynn Shaw. Hi, Lynn. Charlie, happy new year. Thank you for having me today to, you know, discuss these topics that a lot of people just refuse to discuss. And also a great shout out to TNT Radio, today's news talk, for always wanting to cover critical and crucial issues. I agree. And this is a topic that is it's tough to discuss when we're when we're talking about human trafficking, we're talking about children being uh moved from one place to another without their consent. You get into a really dark place. And and I think that the majority of people would like to, though they recognize that this is happening, they would like to maybe not get into it right now, maybe have that conversation at a later time. But my fear is that part of that mentality has led us here. 
because we've been afraid to have these conversations. We've been very terrified of what people would think if we were to discuss this publicly, but it's a very real thing. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you got started in this industry? Because talking about ending slavery and sexual exploitation of children is obviously taking you into a very dark place. And, and we know from working in the darkness that from time to time you have to in, inject a little bit of light in order to, uh, to keep yourself sane. So how did you start this and, and, and how are you feeling um, about things in 2024? Well, thank you, Charlie. I'm feeling 2024, I'm very hopeful. But that is, that is the attitude we must all have. We have to stay hopeful. We have to stay in the moment. We have to think about going forward. I'm a great believer. We do not go back as much as that is difficult to do. We have to keep going forward. And frankly, we have no choice, right? So here's what happened to me. Charlie, my whole background is in the entertainment business. I started out after college in the music business, uh, then into some Broadway producing, movie producing, uh, working on movie scores. I've done all kinds of things. I've never been trafficked. I've never been exploited, but I woke up about five years ago when I was working with a client who was writing a book, a very well-known person about domestic violence. And I was hired, you know, from the publishing house, you kind of coach them and lead them through the process prior to the publication. And Charlie, as I was researching and working with her hand in hand, because she was a victim of this domestic violence, it intersected the research with human trafficking. And I said, this can't be happening in the United States of America. I live in the middle of New York City. Certainly this isn't happening. And Charlie, I, I, I consider myself fairly smart, but I was so naive about this. I thought it's happening in Thailand and Philippines, all these far off places, not in my own backyard. And I don't know what happened, Charlie. I got some sort of calling, like a nun. That's all I can compare it to. I didn't choose this. It chose me. I woke up one day. During COVID, I said to my husband, I had started a little bit before that. I said, I have to become more official with all this and, and form the nonprofit. And I looked at him. I said, I'm becoming a warrior. A word, Charlie, I've never used in my entire life is the word warrior. And that was it for me. And I'm going full steam ahead to educate, just to raise awareness and educate and not scare people. Because you're so correct when you said it's dark, it's ugly. People will tune out. How do we get around that? There are a lot of simple safe techniques to get people to open up, you know, for instance, digital safety. Everybody can relate to that. So let's start there. Let's talk about digital safety because we know about 80% of the trafficking and exploitation is happening right on the children's devices, right on the gaming, right on the phones and laptops. So that's an easy starter and you feel out the audience and you go from there. Um, you know, that's kind of how I got started, like a nun. What can I tell you, Charlie? Yeah, it's a really dark topic, but unfortunately, we've had Jeffrey Epstein in the news lately, mm -hmm. and for better or for worse, that is making the general public aware of the concept of uh, sexual blackmail entrapment operations, trafficking of children. You know, when when Epstein was was procuring children in Palm Beach, these girls were coming home with a couple hundred dollars in their in their pocket uh, after a Wednesday afternoon of work. And you know, if parents didn't know any better, they didn't know what to think. I'll say the one benefit of the Epstein situation, and there's very few of them, but one benefit is that now you have parents that if they see something that even resembles that, they now have a, a benchmark in their mind they can go back to and say, is this 
something Epstein-ish? Why does my daughter have $500 in her wallet when I didn't give her $500? How is she making this money? Where is she getting it? If, if at the very least, Lynn, we get parents to start to recognize that this is even a possibility, would we consider that some sort of victory? Well, I don't want to use the word victory. I'll tell you why. It's it's very much sort of a loaded scenario you just laid out, Charlie. Um, as far as the Epstein, that whole thing, I wish, and this is in no way, you know, uh, supporting him, Ghislaine Maxwell, but I wish the emphasis that I'm seeing in mainstream media online, I wish everybody would switch all that right now to the biggest human trafficking operation in the entire world, which is happening at our open U.S. borders. We have a complicit federal government right now, right in front of us, Charlie, human trafficking, human smuggling, arms trafficking, fentanyl trafficking. So I wish everybody would put the emphasis, Epstein, you know, they, they, everybody thinks it's kind of sexy. He owned the biggest uh, single home in Manhattan, you know, all this glamour and glitz. There's something very twisted about this story. And I just want, I just want to say about Epstein, if we think of all of this, Charlie, to get back to your point, if we can wake up one person every day, if we can make them aware, if we can give them some tools, you know, the human trafficking hotline number, toll free, even if you just have a question, you don't have to be wrong, right? You can call and ask questions. You can contact Lynn's Warriors. We'll direct you. Yes, then it's a victory that we're talking about it. But let's get everybody together to start talking about what a crime is going on at the border that is watering down. I mean, I'm in the middle of New York City, but it's coming to a town near you. It's affecting all of us, our national security, our education system, our healthcare system. So let's start going in that direction and say enough about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's our, it's in, imperative for us to start the process of waking up people. Sometimes this process happens right away and people understand it. Sometimes it's cumulative and builds upon information that you give them over time, but it's up to us to make sure that we don't hide from this, that we talk about this to the extent that we can. Let's dip out real quick for a quick news break. We'll be back on the other side with Lynn Shaw. TNT Radio News. Big news. Yeah! For TNT, this is James O'Neill. South Korea has instructed residents on Yongpyong Island near the North Korean border to seek shelter following North Korea's firing of approximately 200 artillery shells. Fire and Rescue New South Wales is conducting an investigation into a significant fire that broke out at an e-bike factory located in Croydon, in Sydney's inner west. The United States military carried out an airstrike in Iraq, resulting in the death of Abu Taqwa, a leader within Harakat Hezbollah al-Nujaba. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We're back with Lynn Shaw. If you want to support her work, you can go to lynnswarriors.org. Find as much information as you can. Please spread the word about this. And by the way, Lynn, you mentioned the southern border. Let's talk about that because that is quite obviously a source of massive despair. We see migrant caravans coming in. We hear stories of rapes. We know about the coyotes. We know about the cartel involvement. Through your work, have you been able to get any sort of statistics that we can uh, take home with us about the number of children that are coming through that southern border and are either making it into the United States unaccompanied 
or they're uh, making it into the United States and disappearing. Charlie, we don't have enough time to review all the stats and studies that are inside my brain about all of this, but I will point out that, you see, we, we smile as we talk about these tough issues. We have to kind of smile, you know, about things too, or else you cry all the time. Here's what we know. We know right now that 300,000 children in the last year have come over the border, okay? We think unaccompanied. Now, any of these stats are always lower, right? Because it's we, we don't know the exact. That's what we know about. Maybe it's 400,000. We really don't know. I work with Border Patrol. I work with uh, Border 911 also, if you're familiar with them, headed up by Tom Homan, uh, who worked uh, under the Trump administration. And th the most searing thing in my mind is we know all this, Charlie. I lay blame on both Democrats right now and Republicans. I don't want to see those visuals and those sound bites yesterday of 60 GOP members travel down to Eagle Pass, did a little bit of a, I don't know what they did, talked a little bit, took a few pictures, then they're gone. You know, they put, they did their job. Both sides are to blame. There is only one solution here that is closing this border. Because let me tell you, nobody talks really about San Diego. That's the new hotspot where they're just coming in and Border Patrol is just not even processing. They're saying most of the time, just go find the bus stop. These people don't speak English, a lot of them. Go find and just dispersing them into communities. Now, we know about the children. I have been screaming, as have others, since last February when the Biden administration nonchalantly they announced to mainstream media, well, we've lost track of about 85,000 kids. That was it. Everybody jumped on it for a day or two. No follow-up. Charlie, I ask every day. I work with immigration attorneys all over the United States. We have a very far reach. Nobody knows where these children are. Nobody's accounting for them. What we do know is that they are being sex trafficked, a large percentage of them, forced labor. Okay, so we have labor trafficking. Who thought in the United States we have something called forced servitude? We have kids working as domestics, maids, you know, in homes, believe it or not, in the United States. And what I'm seeing right here in the United States, forced begging. I am seeing since Christmas Eve, women sitting on the sidewalks here in Midtown Manhattan, holding up babies, help us, uh, feed us. We're hungry, Spanish, all different languages, broken English, sleeping. Today, it's a uh, 30 something degrees out. They're sleeping on the dirty sidewalks. This is called forced begging. And don't get me started, Charlie, about the arms. We have a tremendous problem with they are bringing over also a lot of weapons. Do you hear a lot about that? Because I don't. And they're burying them on soil in Texas. I think this is such a national security threat. Where are the children? Just think about it. It's like a wheel with the spokes. It reaches into every everything. The education system, teachers across the, the country say that these kids just show up and we sit them in the back of the classroom. We, we don't have translators for them. They don't understand us. The principal says, just take them. Where's the money for all of this? You're paying for it. I'm paying for it. Our children, our grandchildren, everybody's paying for it. It's a big mess. So let me just point out one thing. So everybody said, you know, in the Biden administration, come, come to our sanctuary city, cities like New York, our mayor, Mayor Eric Adams. So the people came, Charlie, you and me would probably come too, to have a better life for our kids, education, jobs, right? And you know what? So they, they've come here. And now there's nothing for them because a lot of them are reporting back to me. This is why they're taking to the streets begging. There is no direction. There is no anything. And to hear these mayors of these democratic cities saying, you know, we need more funding. 
They don't want to help shut any of this down, Charlie. They just want more money to keep it growing more and more and more. There is no end in sight. That is why the American public must become warriors, must step up, come together, power in numbers, and say, we're not going to have this. It has to start in the community, though, and build out from there. We cannot sustain this. When Biden says that they have lost track of 85,000 children, to put that in perspective, if you had a Taylor Swift concert at the Rose Bowl tonight, you could fit 85,000 people in there. Just imagine mm -hmm. if they were all kids going to see her concert and then they got on buses and they vanished into thin air. That is what we're talking about. The fact that we are not in the streets rioting about this shows just how, how passive the American general public has become, how normalized this has become. Lynn, we're watching kids, we, we see this on the nightly news going across Eagle Pass or San Ysidro in San Diego, and we and, and we, it's become so normalized to us that we just go, eh, you know, it's just another thing. The general public needs to take a responsibility in this as well and get violently angry about what's happening because if you don't you send the message to the government or to the rest of society that you know kids only matter if there are kids if there's somebody else's kids who cares right you know mistakes were made i feel like donald rumsfeld here you know we're not going to live in the past but but 304 you said 300,000 children came across in the last year or it could be 400,000 just the difference in that is 100,000 children that is almost inconceivable. And yet we have been convinced by our corporate mainstream media that this is just part of being an American, right? We we have to we have to just allow the, allow everybody to come in and seek a better life. Listen, I don't blame them. I would too. If if America was destabilizing my homeland in Central America, I'd probably want to get out and go somewhere else as well. So I don't even blame the people themselves. But this is very much organized. Is this part of a much bigger agenda, Lynn? Well, the agenda starts with our government, Charlie, our, you know, our federal government working hand in hand with the cartels, the criminal cartels. I just want to point out something aside from any of this. This is even a bipartisan issue. This is a human rights, a humanitarian crisis going on. You know, I was studying up on the Darien Gap. I, I do work with that. And that is that 60 miles connecting Central America to America, the treacherous track that people are going on and taking their children dropping dead, falling ill, and telling kids, five-year-olds, go on your own, go with this person, handing the, the cartels run this whole 60 miles. Are governments allowing this? Do I think, there are many theories, Charlie, as you know, as to why this is happening. Do you know what I think as Lynn Shaw, I think it is just part of more a global picture, a destabilization of America. Everybody's gonna be one, children and adults. Let's disrupt the family, let's disrupt the children. And I just want to say, Charlie, to open all of this horror up to anybody listening, to anybody who wants to get involved, all you have to say to somebody is, do you know what your children are doing online? Or do you know what your grandchildren are doing online? Or do you know what your niece is doing online or nephew? Because guess what? We have and we know 500,000 plus predators are online every day looking for vulnerable children. And I say this because if anything, that gets people when I give speeches and focus groups to sit up in their chairs and then their eyes start to pop and then we can talk about what is going on. But it is, there is no end in sight, Charlie. And that is why people have to do it within their own homes, keep their kids safe, or they have, everybody needs to do something. I think in 2024, this is a new country, Charlie. 
We have to look out for other children. We have to report if we see something. If you're wrong, you're wrong. You don't get in trouble. But you have to know where to go. You have to know to call the trafficking hotline or you have to know 911 immediately. If you see something, say something. And we, that's what we have to do. We have to stay kind of in our lane and work from there. Because if we look at that big picture, people shut down. They don't want to get involved. Yeah, it's so true. Look, we can't control what's happening at the southern border, but we can control what happens in our own home. And if you can get a hold of those devices and make sure as a parent, it's your duty and responsibility. I'm saying this to myself. I have a 12-year-old daughter that it is our duty and responsibility to know what they're doing online, to know who they're talking to, and to recognize the signs when you see it. That's Lynn Shaw, everybody. You can go to her website, lenswarriors.org. Please support it. If you can't support it financially, at least support it with your attention. Share it to people that you know on social media. Get the word out. Thank you, Lynn. You're the best. We'll talk to you again another time. After this break, we've got Don Jeffries coming in and joining us. This is TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. Uh, animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into the unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. What do I love about riding? It's the thrill. The excitement. Riding gives me a sense of freedom. I feel so connected to the road. Riding is like therapy to me. It makes me feel alive. Love riding? Back off. If you can't believe what you're hearing, get the straight talk from Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My next guest is one of the most intrepid journalists out there. He's an author. You can catch his podcast, I Protest, or America Unplugged, wherever podcasts are served. Also, maybe check out his Substack while you're at it. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Don Jeffries. Hey, Don, it's always good to see you. It feels like 2024 is not letting us down. It's starting off weird and crazy. I saw that... Um, the old president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, uh, lost her job this week. Oh, what a shame, right? Only took 50 <laughs> plagiarism charges. Don, if you <laughs> submitted your books to the publishers and they caught you plagiarizing on 50 different occasions, what would the response be? Uh, yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be as lucky as her Alex Haley going back to Roots. Remember when he admitted he stole a bunch of that stuff? So black authors, I think, are held to a different standard. But I, I think really the only reason, I think she could have had 5,000 cases of plagiarism. But I think what got her fired was her apparently insufficient outrage over uh, the students uh, that she had there protesting the actions of Israel. I, I think that's the only reason she would have been fired. I mean, otherwise, she, there's no question in my mind. She'd still be there and probably making as many racist things as she wanted. 
Yeah. Well, it seems like maybe though, and I agree with you hundred percent. If it, if it didn't, if, if, if there wasn't a situation going on in Israel, this would have been completely papered over. But now it seems like the topic du jour has been that we really do have a diversity, equity, and inclusion DEI problem in this country. And it's not just limited to academia. We're starting to see the wokeness in corporations fail. We've watched the, the wheels fall off of Disney's stock price. We've watched a lot of these uh, companies like, uh, you know, Netflix puts out cuties and everyone goes, this is gross. We're not interested in this and their stock prices drop. So, uh, of course, we saw what happened with Target with the tuck pants and all that good, uh, all those things. So are we turning a corner? Is 2024 the year in which maybe, just maybe, the um, sanity is injected back into the equation or is that just wishful thinking on my part? Well, I'd, I'd love to think that. Uh, but I think, you know, you, you have literally probably half the country is insane to varying degrees by you know, any definition. I and mean, you can just look at the stuff they're tolerating, the things they're doing. But I think that, uh, you know, when we when we look at, uh, normally you would think these, these corporations would re respond to, for instance, uh, Marvel or Disney, who've just lost incredible amounts of money, woke experiments in Hollywood, but they don't. They keep doubling down. And so I, as I wrote about the survival of riches in my book, um, there are other agendas here other than profits. And I don't know what they do to keep these companies afloat because guarantee they'll still give the huge uh, tax-free bonuses to their CEOs and upper management no matter what. You know, I pointed out in that book that many times these corporations do that and they give out more in bonuses than in profits that they make for the year. And I don't know what kind of business model that is. It must be getting some kind of secret supplement from the government to do that. So I suspect that's what's happening here is that they are given some kind of funds that maybe we don't even know about part of the black budget to continue to push this because it, it makes no sense as a business model. If they were dealing with real money, obviously you couldn't keep making these absurd, uh, these, I mean, they, they destroyed the only base Hollywood had left, which is the superhero fan. I mean, they were there they had an endless fascination for, you know, you could put out Spider-Man, 103 and they're going to keep going to it or batman 80 you know but when you do what they've done when you've changed the characters and you've made uh, women especially front and center they've angered that base and those were really the only monies that uh, films that were making money the last several years to any you know blockbuster degree so i think if this was about money uh, that they would have already changed their tune i don't see any evidence they are changing their tune i, I don't i don't know but uh think what makes the Harvard situation different is that you do have Israel involved. There's always a different, you're pressured about making some kind of anti-white comments, which, let's face it, who's ever pressured about that? But uh, in general, nothing's going to happen. You're, you're going to be celebrated. But when you throw the Jewish question in there, it can be said, well, you're also anti-Semitic. That's all that matters. And eventually you may be canceled as she was. That she'll probably pop up somewhere else, I'm sure, you know, it's on the board of directors company but i'd like to think we're turning the corner but i don't I just don't know i was just i got in a little argument on twitter with somebody with some government official somewhere that used to perform a gay marriage or something and i, and I think she's been ordered to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars in restitution to the offended couple and i'm like you know this is ridiculous i mean i said i said this is so that would never happen anywhere else you know if a couple wanted to get married wearing baga hats or something and, and somebody refused to do it then she'd probably be given a promotion but, you know, the person didn't understand. And she follows me on Twitter, so I don't know, maybe I lost her. But 
you have to be consistent. And I just think right now it's it's one way. And I, I don't see anybody on the other side fighting back. I, the average people are fed up and more and more people are fed up. But I don't know what else we can do. If we don't, we, we're not going to the movies. We're not, uh, you know, look what happened to Bud Light. Bud Light did have a huge impact. And the conservatives said, yeah, right on, we won. But as soon as they won, you started having people like Kid Rock and all these people doing commercials endorsing it again. And, and so so I, I'm not sure what, what they won there. I mean, and, you know, and I'd be really going to celebrate, you know, some crappy cheap beer that, you know, that's, to me, that's a very small victory. Yeah. Well, we've watched these weird agendas take take form over the last couple of years. Diversity, equity, inclusion has been one of them. And this new this new situation that we've had over it, not limited to Biden exactly, but let's just say that it's the Biden administration. That's the southern border. It's been left wide open. Uh, Mayorkas, they're talking about impeaching him. Uh, he says, you know, they, they say that military like literally millions of people have come across the border in of military age fighting men you keep hearing that it feels like an invasion um don are they coming because of climate change because that's what my orca said <laughs> they're coming because of climate change i mean yeah. and I, I find so, so stupid that it, it it that he should become the president of the united states and replace biden oh. with, with, a, with a comment like that my goodness but uh right. are, what, what is that what is what's going on at the southern border here and, and apparently apparently only males of uh, fighting age are, are the ones that are concerned about climate change is a huge majority of those coming over are, are young fighting age males which of course gives gives rise to conspiracy theories on the right that they're coming here because as i understand it uh these migrants you know wildly just in that have happened since biden took office outnumber the total number of u.s troops we have so if, theoretically if they wanted to find them they'd outnumber them so um and i, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen in any country. And that's why I wrote the book about COVID and asking the truth, because as I said, you know, if this was, if this wasn't all about politics, when this deadly pandemic hit, the first thing that would have happened, the Southern border would have been closed. That border's never going to close. Didn't close. Nobody demanded it be closed. Trump babbled about it, but he never closed it. And nobody else, you know, certainly has. So, you know, this is, and this is unfortunately, it goes back to Trump. He had four years to do something about immigration. He didn't take the steps he said he would. He didn't try to. He didn't issue the executive order banning uh, birthright citizenship, which is a huge factor here. There's no reason that people think that it's always been, it hasn't always, I forget when it was, but it was uh, it was relatively, you know, deep into our history when we suddenly made it where if you're born here, you're automatically a citizen. That was not the way it was. And uh, you're like, your parents had to be born here before or something. So that needed to be ended. Sanctuary cities need to be ended, which you also promised to do. The H-1B visa worker program, like I saw Detroit, my old industry, uh, IT, that needs to be, he, again, he claimed he was going to do it, but in his, in his, uh, for his own corporations, he hires more visa workers than ever. So he had a chance. He had a chance. And, of course, the deportations, you have to deport. Uh, that's the only, because there's the, the fact that these, and, but we've gotten public opinion to shift to the fact that if you look at the rhetoric of the candidates that are running, and certainly I'm talking about, you know, Hillary Clinton, White, and um, Mickey Haley, or Chris Christie, or something. But Vivek Ramaswamy is, I think, the best of the lot. But he doesn't talk a whole lot, reporting or anything like that. And Trump is not talking about that anymore. So the immigration issue, I think, is gone. I mean, all they're going to do, though, Republicans will concentrate on how many Biden let in, which is true. He made a bad situation worse. But they don't talk about the fact he had Trump had four years, and the first, you know, he had both houses of Congress for the first couple of years. 
he did nothing. And a part of that is because the Republicans are so pathetic. That's why the idea that they would, if they impeach any, somebody like Mayork, I mean, I, I'm not going to bet on it or anything, but I'll, let's say I'll be, um, I'll be shocked. Okay. <laughs> Startled beyond belief. Uh, Cause they just don't do anything. They just, the you know, Republicans, the stupid party for a reason. They're, I, I, ta- I say that they're like the Washington generals against the globe trotters. They're, they're just designated losers. And uh, everybody cheers for them to lose. And that's that, that's what they are. I mean, and you just look at them. I mean, there's that's supposed to be our opposition. I mean, Nikki Haley, really? Is he, you want to elect Nikki Haley and think that's an antidote to Joe Biden? What's going on? She may be worse. I don't know, because at least she's got all her faculties better. Let's talk about Nikki Haley then, because it is becoming increasingly obvious that she is the establishment's choice for president. And yeah. of course, if we know what we know about the establishment, we know that that means you've got to be pro-war. You've got to be, uh, you know, you got to be sort of open borders. You've got to, you've yeah. got to have this, uh, um, you know, put Federal Reserve, let's print more money. Let's, you know, let's send more <laughs> money. Let's keep, keep Ukraine going. Let's up the situation in Israel. Well, she's a she's a Republican. She's running for she's running against Donald Trump. Why, why doesn't she just switch the R to a D? She seems yeah. every bit as much of as Joe Biden and and that administration. Is that is that the end around game that the deep state is playing? We've lost the Democratic Party. We can't run Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. They're just too right. unlikable. Instead, what we'll do is we'll do an end around. We'll finance a Republican candidate who right. thinks like a Democrat. Is that the plan going forward? Well, I, I think they, if they want to keep this folk, phony, phony, phony two-party system going, uh, that they would have some kind of choice, then they need to have a Republican in there. Pretty so because Trump was there, but you know they hated him so much, and he, he really wasn't a Republican. He, you know, he's. His rhetoric was not Republican rhetoric. His rhetoric was the kind of stuff we might say, at least a lot of it was. And so that's why, again, it's so important what's happening to him, even though I think he's Trumpenstein, I think he's part of the show, symbolically to keep prosecuting him, they're prosecuting us, prosecuting dissent. That's why they keep the January 6th uh, you know, prisoners still there, just in case you get any idea to come to Washington, D.C. or anywhere again. So it would be in their best interest to, to have some ridiculous Republican like Nikki Haley, a Bush type, to get in there uh, to make it look like uh, you know this is a two-party country, but I, I think I, I don't even know if they're going to do that. I think they're playing around with that now. But the idea, what I'm looking at is that the idea that uh, these polls can possibly—I mean, they're, they're so laughable. The idea that this guy Vivek Ramaswamy, who is by far the most impressive candidate, he's not even close. He, his IQ is probably uh, higher than all the other candidates put together. I mean, he talks circles around. Plus, he says a lot of great and. I can't say it enough. He had an interview when he was interviewing Alex Jones. He had my book, Hidden History, on the bookshelf behind him. So how can I not love the guy? I mean, I, I people say he's a phony. Well, he may be, but I didn't send him the book. So you know, he's he's got. If he's reading my book, he's got to have something about him, you know. But um, so uh, I'm attracted to him, and I, I know that he would never have a chance. But I, I, I if you look at the way, he's like, if if you look at the if the, the Republican base is the MAGA base, supposedly. 70, 80 million that voted for Trump. What would appeal to what shouldn't that appeal to them? He should to me, he should be really high in the polls. He's not. And Nikki Haley, uh, who is she? What polls are what Republican base is attracted to her? How who is she surging with? The, the rhino base that's, I mean, <laughs> the Romney fans and the and the uh, the Bob Dole fan. I mean, this is ridiculous. Any of the people, and I hope. 
I think more and more, and I, I hope this results maybe eventually in a new party, which is what it, that's what should have happened with Trump. Trump was a one-man uh, phenomenon. Of course, it ended up just being all sound and fury signifying nothing, literally. But his rhetoric should have led to a reform-type party like Ross Perot dreamed of to kill the Republicans off. Because Republicans are no option at all. They're pathetic. Nobody votes for them, uh, and legitimately. I, I can't believe anybody. The only way they ever did is because they thought the Democrats were worse. They certainly maybe are at this point, but when you say, give them somebody like a Nikki Haley, I mean, come on, that's, you're really going to bother, to, even if you think they're going to count your vote, which I think it's probably been proven that they're not going to because you've done nothing about it. And now you had the former President Trump, who's being, one of the things he's being prosecuted on, is complaining about the last election. So, you know, you're not going to be able to complain about this election or they'll, they shall, we have the press, you know, we'll put you on trial. We put the former president on trial. So, it's a very, you know, very terrible situation in terms of politics. Never been this bad. And uh, I, I wouldn't be able to predict what's going to happen. I still in my, you know, if I'm a, if I was a betting man, I, you can't make money on this stuff because they, they don't, you know, I'm not in meetings, but I would say, well, Michelle Obama would be who they would really want. She, she you know, checks all the boxes. You know, she's black, a woman, maybe, maybe something else. Who, you know, that would be even more if, you know, imagine that kind of, uh, you know, uh, reveal. From the White yeah. House, and you talk about the transgender movement exploding. Oh wow! I mean, it was it would be unbelievable. There's millions of crazy people, and they are they are insane people. That's why when Republicans talk about uh, voting and stuff, they don't need that much fraud anymore. I, I I meet I see these people out and about. I hear them, and you know they really they they are really believing this stuff. And uh, they they have been completely brainwashed. I see the way they dress and look, and I know what their politics are. Just you know, they're, they're wearing it on their sleeve, and so they they're gonna they, they Michelle Obama is their dream. Now I don't I don't know that they're gonna do that. She supposedly isn't interested, but um, so who knows? They can end up just being Biden versus Trump again. Or as I said, my alternative scenarios, I wouldn't put it past them to rig it and have Trump be elected from prison and serve out his entire four years in prison. I think that would be a be a next a nice act in the next in the, uh, the next uh, act in the Trumpenstein show. <laughs> he's he's uh, the Oval Office has been replaced by the rectangular cell. He's coming to you from from that. Oh, that would oh, be just yeah. the, the perfect encapsulation of where America <laughs> is right now. That you, that you run a candidate. Be from prison in this banana republic and yeah. uh and he wins and then he's the he's what he's like the king of the aryan brotherhood right he's like yeah, the, oh, yeah. Of the, he can the have leader like, of the prison gang yeah he can have some gangs around him. maybe he'll he'll talk about how he'll brag about how he's made people his bitch and stuff who knows you can you can, you can just imagine the possibilities are endless there you know trump would you know oh. since melania has left me and i have you know and he maybe he's you know he'll come out to if, who, there's so many things they could do. And of course, he could maybe try to pardon himself, which I guess he could. And there'll be a battle. Over, I mean, there's there's all kinds of possibilities here. I don't know if they want to go into that again, but and just imagine what it would do to the pussy hat wearers and the crap. I mean, they would just, they would go nuts. I mean, it uh, was, <laughs> it, it, I'll tell you what, there's one thing I can predict with 100% certainty, and that is that 2024 is going to be an extremely fascinating year to be watching. <laughs> if you want to connect with Don Jeffries, you can go to donaldjeffries.media. 
That is a great place. Hey, do yourself a favor, sign up for his sub stack and get yourself information, buy his books, Hidden History. Listen, if it's good enough for Vivek to have on his bookshelf, it's good enough for you to have as well. That's Don Jeffries, everybody. The great Don Jeffries, I should say. And if you want to connect with me, you know where to do it. You can email me, Charlie Robinson at tntradio.live. That's it for this week. I am hoping that next week we have, um, that it all calms down. I'm not holding my breath though. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week.